Hello, and welcome to the Slow Style Home Podcast. If you don't want a cookie-cutter, generic home, and instead you want a beautiful, meaningful home that's layered with personality, then you are going to be so inspired by the conversations we have on this show. We talk about why the environments we create matter and how to set up our rooms to evoke specific feelings and experiences that are right for you wherever you are in your life right now. I'm Zandra, your host and creator of the Slow Style Home Framework that teaches you how to make really thoughtful and informed decisions about your home rather than chasing current trends that may not last or staying stuck with rooms you hate, feeling overwhelmed with too many choices. Right now, when you join our monthly membership, the Slow Style Society, you'll get a personalized deep dive into your vision of what a dream home looks and feels like. And together, we'll come up with a plan on how to achieve that. If that sounds pretty awesome to you, go to slowstylehome.com and click on Join the Society for all of the details. I'll tell you a little bit more about it later on. Right now, let's just jump into today's episode. Hello, and welcome to the Style Matters Podcast, brought to you by Little Yellow Couch. I'm Zandra, your host, and I am so glad you're here. Now, you may have heard that we're currently on break from producing new episodes of the podcast. But that doesn't mean that there isn't interior design happiness to be had right here. For the month of August, we are re-releasing some of the best episodes from the archives, which, in case you didn't know, goes back five years. Yes, that's right. Five years of amazing interviews. So there's a good chance that you've missed these particular gems. And I want to make sure that you continue to get tons of inspiration right through the summer. We will be back with all new episodes starting September 7th. And a quick note, for the first three years of the podcast, I had a co-host, the lovely and talented Karen Grant. So you'll hear her voice along with mine and our guests. Now, one other thing. Have you taken our quiz? We have designed it based on the three things that we've found to be holding most people back in their efforts to create what they would consider to be their dream homes. So don't you want to know which of these three mistakes you're making in your home? Once you take the quiz, I will send you some help and exercises targeted at your specific quiz results right to your inbox. They're meant to be a quick start guide to just help you designing a home that's truly aligned with who you are. To take the quiz, go to littleyellowcouch.com and you'll see the quiz button up at the top. Before we get going, here's a word from our sponsor. Now, this is a new one for the Style Matters podcast because it's a beauty company. But because I really believe in taking the time to take care of yourself and to incorporate some self-care rituals or routines into your life and make space for them somewhere in your home, I am excited to introduce to you Beauty Bio. Beauty Bio was founded by Jamie O'Banion after working for years with her father in a cosmetics lab, and she was getting really tired of seeing these big-name beauty brands use only the minimal amount of active ingredients that they had to in order to claim clinical results. So she went on a mission to put truth into beauty 
and she created Beauty Bio. And I've now been using two Beauty Bio products for a little bit. One is this six-week retinol system that they call the Reversal. And after the first two weeks, I am very happy to go out in the world without makeup again, which is saying a lot because I'm approaching 50. Now, it's not so much that I want to cover up my age. I just want to love the skin I'm in. But that means it has to look healthy. So since the reversal thing is making me feel this way right now, I cannot wait to see how I feel in another month. The other product I've been using is one of their best sellers. It's a moisturizer called The Quench, and it honestly feels like the dreamiest, coolest lotion that I've ever put on. So please check them out, and you will feel what I'm feeling and what I'm seeing in the mirror. So go to beautybio.com, that's beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y, bio, B-I-O.com, and use the code STYLE MATTERS to get 15% off your first purchase. All right, let's get into today's episode. This one originally aired in June of 2016. Our guest is Erin Boyle, the blogger behind Reading My Tea Leaves and author of Simple Matters Living with Less and Ending Up with More. It is a gorgeously photographed and written book, and its focus is on the joys of living with simple pleasures in a small Brooklyn apartment that Erin shares with her husband and young child. Now, you know that we cover all kinds of aesthetics on the podcast, and we've celebrated both maximalist and minimalist styles and everything in between. Today, we think you'll be delighted to hear about Erin's very pared-down minimalist style that comes from a place of true happiness. We love that for her, simple living is not about giving things up or deprivation, but about the beauty she sees in everyday, ordinary things. Let's get started. So your book, Simple Matters, and our podcast, Style Matters, I love that there's a little intersection there. Totally. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it, we're talking about we're talking about, I think, all of us homemaking um, in a modern sense, yeah. you know, not necessarily way, way back when, when women did all the grudge work I'm, or anything. You know, <laughs> it's such a like complicated term, obviously, for those it terms, is. but it's such an apt term for the kind of things that we're talking about. If we can just get rid yes. of it as a gendered idea, that would be even better. <laughs> Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Because the word homemaking or making a home to me is so beautiful. It's, it's so important. It's um, a a representation and sort of an outward physical representation of who you are. And um, it, it is such a nurturing, important part of our our lives as well as children, but as adults too, you know, just, um, yeah. So, um, we want to, we want to definitely dive in with your backstory, um, on your childhood, your early years and, and how, um, sort of how you got to where you are today with some very, um, grounded, I think, uh, practical applications to creating a home. Let's see, I guess I, I actually feel like I have a particularly, um, well, I guess I should say, I don't really, I'm not terribly into astrological signs, but I dabble a tiny <laughs> bit. And, you know, from everything I've been told, I'm a really true cancer in the sense of really being um, kind of a homebody, um, which doesn't mean that I'm, you know, antisocial, but just means that I really kind of crave a sense of belonging 
um, in a place and have a kind of real attachment to my to my home. And I think that some of that started actually as, at a pretty young age. Um, when I was seven, my mom and dad bought a very um, old house on the Connecticut shoreline um, and proceeded to restore it um, painstakingly, mostly by themselves. Um, in, you know, we can't, my sisters and I and my mom camped for uh, part of the summer while my dad worked on the house. Um, so oh, you were in a tent while they, while the house was being worked yeah, on? Yeah, a tent like at a campground oh. because so of course it was, you know, it's a super old house. So there's all sorts of like lead paint remediation and all that kind of stuff. Um, but anyway, you know, moving into this house, um, at that age just kind of had a real impact on me. I, I became very attached to the place and um, it's kind of been a theme, you know, I wrote my like graduate school, you know, um, application essays about, you know, having grown up in that house and, and what, how it informed my interest in my connection to space and connection to history and how the, how the spaces, how we can use kind of spaces to understand our past and, um, yeah. And, you know, I've, I've just been very, very interested in that. And then, um, and did actually, you know, quite a bit of work before blogging professionally in kind of historic preservation and museum studies and just kind of really interested in material culture and, um, and kind of the way that human beings make their spaces and always, always have and how that's changed and evolved and what it means for women and what it means for men and um just kind of been interested in all of those questions so it's kind of a natural um leap for me to then write about some of that stuff um on my blog and I don't always take like the most historical approach more about kind of my day-to-day life but I think in terms of the way um that all of that's informed my style my sense of style someone walked into my house the other day I should say and they said that they had grown up going to Quaker schools and that their my house reminded me that meeting house and I was like yes (laughs) um which I you know I couldn't even really tell if it was supposed to be a compliment but but of course I took it as one thank you very much so I think you know those kinds of like spare spaces with with you know elements throughout my home that feel like they have a past that came you know a story beyond my own um I love having old things in my house, which doesn't mean that I want it to be like, you know, a shabby chic bed and breakfast is not like particularly my style, but like a pared down kind of patina vibe. I, that's, that's what I love. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would sort of describe it for our listeners. I mean, not to put you in a box at all, but, but I would sort of describe it as sort of a, it has a New England aesthetic. You know, when you go through those old Quaker homes, you go through those historic homes that have a very uh, simple, everything has simple lines, beautiful, but simple. And and a lot of the honey colored woods come out and it's very peaceful. That's, that's kind of what the vibe that I get from your house. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, that's nice. That's what I like to surround myself with. You know, I kind of, I love to see the the bones of a house. I actually was talking to someone fairly recently who said that, you know, oh, well, I live in a, I live in like a, you know, a Brooklyn apartment that's just a mess. And so I have to fill it up with stuff because otherwise you would see, see the like peeling paint or whatever, which I actually, you know, I, on one hand, I totally get. On the other hand, I love being able to see the like molding and the 
floor. I mean, even though, you know, the wood floors in our apartment have been terribly neglected and they're like really not in the very best shape and they're kind of have this color that's, I don't know, a little bit yellowy orange, but it probably, if it was restored nicely, wouldn't be so much that way. But, you know, you, I, I like to embrace it and kind of, you know, all of that, all of that tells a story, um, which is, it's the part of kind of homemaking and decorating a home that I like the best. I, I love when you can walk into a place and really get a sense of the person, but also have questions. I think that that sometimes mm. falls away when you kind of decorate in a cor- in a more kind of like deliberate and quick way of decorating. I feel like it, you lose a bit of the like um, the story and the questions about things because it's all kind of mm-hmm. just been put in there to look a certain way, but not to feel a certain way if if that makes sense um and I love people might ask you know like oh where is that table from or where did you get that headboard or where did that you know basket come from and you know for the most part the answers to those things in my house are kind of I mean I like to think kind of interesting stories um and that's kind of how I like to approach approach my house even that even when it's you know tempting to look through a new catalog and say like, oh, that looks like a comfortable couch. Sometimes, you know, there's, there's an appeal to something, something new or, or absolutely or just getting it done. You know, you just, oh my gosh, that's so much easier. I just point and click on the computer as opposed to going on the hunt. Right. Although Karen and I, I'm, sounds like just like you, I mean, we love the hunt. Yeah. It's, it's, that's so much fun. It's so satisfying when you do finally find that piece, but you're and right. There are definitely moments when you just think, oh my gosh, I can't, you know, sit at this table one more second. We need a new table. Right, and, right, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things that I'm attracted to about your blog and your book is that my lifestyle is the complete opposite of yours. And, and and I mean, not that I'm a hoarder or something, but I'm a collector. I love things that have a story. I love decorating my home with those things. Yeah. And and I love that that even though you are living and promoting this simpler lifestyle, there's still the story behind the things in your life. Yeah. And you know, I think so many times when I think of a sort of pared back minimalist lifestyle, I think of no story, no personality, sort of just right you know, kind of white and clean and, and almost like sterile. Yeah. Sterile. Exactly. So, so it's, it's really neat. I, I like that connection that, that we have. And I think a lot of people will relate to that. And when they're reading your book, be able, and your blog, be able to, even if they aren't living in a smaller space um, or are not able to pare back as much right. as, as I have the problem. Yeah. Um, they're able to take pieces of the ideas uh, that you are living. And I, I think that's really exciting. Oh, thanks. Yeah. That's, that's really nice to hear. I mean, I do think that that's part of the reason why I kind of struggle with the term minimalism is that it feels like for me, I love the, you know, funny crystal bedside table lamp that I have but I only want the one like I don't I don't want 20 where like there really have there's more of a collector which I, I you know on one hand I actually I really understand it and I have some of those impulses like I too um 
I'm thinking, I'm looking at like another part of my house right now and I see this little mother of pearl, um, little tiny like pill case that I have belong to one of my elderly cousins. And she, you know, I have just this one and I love it, but I also know that these like exist in the world. And sometimes like seeing that, you know, a seeing collection of something really appeals to me. It's not necessarily something I want in my own house, but I kind of like knowing that there um and so I mean I think some of it's like people should be able to live their lives however they want to live them like nothing wrong with collecting or living with a lot of things that you love but I do think what is the problem is that people often live you know in homes that are filled with things that they don't necessarily love if you are kind of someone that wants to embrace kind of a more you know a, a simplified kind of aesthetic in your home or, or to, to really kind of live with the essentials. For me, so much of that is an exercise in identifying what you love, not an exercise in, um, in getting rid of what you love, you know? So like, there's no one, I would never tell someone like, well, if you really love all, you know, four of those crystal lamps, like you can only you know you should get rid of three and only have the one like who cares if you want the four lamps keep the four lamps but if there are four crystal lamps that you don't love but you're holding on to them from some kind of sense of obligation of you know not being wasteful or not get, you know them being having been passed down to you and needing to keep them or you having spent money on them and not wanting to give it away because of that like those are the kinds of things that I think hmm, if it's not making you happy like let it go it's all about recognizing you have control over your space. So if your idea of a space doesn't, you know, your idea of an ideal space doesn't look like what you're currently living, I say, like, give yourself permission to say, like, what can I change? And and that kind of idea of, like, taking back some of the control is really, really what it's about more than, you know, living without things for the sake of it. Yeah, I would definitely say that your your book does not come across as a um, a guide on how to deprive yourself. <laughs> you know, you you are really not talking about. And, and, but I do think that when people, you know, they they talk about simplifying, I feel like there is this sort of underlying sense of okay, now I'm, it's like being on a diet. You know, I'm going to have to deprive myself of things that I wish that I had. Yeah. Um, to be more, you know, ecologically minded or to be more, um, you know, to, to just discipline my, my mind, my body, my soul. Um, and, and I, you, your book is so beautiful because you don't come across as preachy, but you also don't come across as if you are personally missing something, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you truly come across as celebrating and light and loving this home that you've created. And, you also seem very much in touch with your home. It's, um, it's, it's very much an extension of who you are, and I find that to be particularly interesting in in New York because, um, I mean, I lived in there many many years ago, but and I, but I'm guessing things haven't changed that much. Everyone's apartments are so small. Right that people go out a lot, you know, they're, 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 the way they express themselves is maybe through their clothing and which bars they're going to go to. Um, and I, I think it's fascinating and wonderful that here you are living in New York and you're a homebody, (laughs) 
you know, you don't, you're not, you know, I love that. It's, it, it's possible even in, you know, your, was it 500 square feet? Yeah. Now we have almost 500. Yeah. Almost. (laughs) (laughs) One day we'll get there. Um, Yeah. You know, I mean, for me, it's actually, I guess the opposite. Like I feel like in a city like New York, there's a a special need to kind of create a sanctuary outside of like Mm. the busy city. And, you know, one of my, um, the mother of one of my very dear friends came to a book reading of mine and asked a question, which is kind of like stuck with me. She has a very colorful home. It's just like filled with vibrant colors and patterns. Mm -hmm. And like, it's, you know, like loud. It's like in your face kind of. And she was asking me like your home, you know, the colors in your home are so neutral. Like, do you think that's a reaction to the vibrancy of the city? And I'm not sure that that's, necessarily necessarily the case I think I just kind of Uh in any whether I was in the city or the country I kind of just am drawn to neutrals but in a city it's especially nice to kind of have a calm quiet place to return to after you have been you know trekking through the east village or whatever like whoa sensory overload and then you're able to kind of climb up the (laughs) five flights (laughs) to your little nest you know and to be able to to have a, a Uh, you know, just like a safe and, and peaceful retreat. We'll be back after a quick break. I assume you're here because you want a one of a kind personality filled home, right? Well, in order to have that, you need to define and develop your signature style. When you do that, you're going to understand how to mix what you already have with new things you find, focusing on who you are and what you love, putting it all together in a cohesive way. So what's stopping you? Well, let me know if this sounds about right. Not enough time, not enough money, and a lack of creativity or design knowledge, which makes you feel overwhelmed and insecure about pulling the trigger and changing things up. This is why I created the Slow Style Society, to help you take action on making your dream home a reality. It's part social club for people who like to just geek out on design and part hands-on learning experience where you get better and better at making decor decisions for each room in your home. And for the next few weeks, I'm offering all new members an additional one-on-one style session with yours truly. So I'll take you through the lessons so you know exactly what to focus on inside the Slow Style Framework, in what order, and you'll have a personalized support system from me to get you there. Go to slowstylehome.com and click on Join the Society so we can get started right away. Let's not wait for that imaginary perfect time to create your beautiful, meaningful home. Again, go to slowstylehome.com and click on Join the Society. Okay, back to the episode. I think you made a point. I think you also made a point somewhere. If it was, I don't know if it was your blog or yeah. your book, but something about how, because of the the fairly neutral palette that you have when you do use color, it it actually really stands out. It you really get to enjoy it, like like the blue in your bed. Yeah, and- I was just thinking that. Yeah, uh-huh. totally. I mean, I I like to think so. I mean, we actually just I, I should say I just this past weekend we found this. Um, vintage um, rag rug, this like amazing, I'm guessing like 1940s or 50s, but I could be wrong about that just from what I'm kind of like looking at 
when I get up close and look at the rag. Um, but it's colorful, you know, it's a rag rug. So it's all, it's blues and, and pinks and maroons. And we put it into Faye, my daughter's room. Um, and it's, I mean, one, it's great because it takes up space in the room so she can like build her blocks without me saying like the neighbor, the neighbor. Oh, oh right. The, the noise. <laughs> That's yeah. Relief. But also, um, yeah, I mean, it's this kind of like, uh, you know, whatever to really use an overused word. It's this pop of color. That's, just kind of um beautiful and 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 cheery and and you know again in a room that has you know a vintage cot and some wooden crates and a wooden bed and a wooden crib like it is this kind of nice juxtaposition um and it's not competing with anything either which is kind of nice and then you know I think also the, the the hardest part for me about living in a city is access to the outdoors and not being able to like thr- trip through a country meadow whenever I want to. Um, although we do try to have dinner in the park most nights in warm weather, but oh, um, nice. you know when I do have the chance to bring in natural elements, they too can really kind of shine in a spot that is pared down. Like, you know, it's amazing how much a bouquet like changes the way a space feels but I feel like that's especially true when the backdrop is relatively simple I think that human beings to some extent crave order and it's nice to if if you so choose it's nice to embrace that um for me it's definitely like a calming practice like having an orderly kind of house makes me feel calm like it's like stress relief for me yeah well we can both relate to that Karen and I you know and and you too I mean we all work from home and so there are times when we I mean I really I can't work if if the space is a disaster from say the weekend or something I I just cannot wrap my head around I mean just before I got on this call with you guys I had to you know I had like just kind of like sent Faye off for the babysitter and you know was still kind of like wrangling some breakfast cleanup and I like had to do it before <laughs> because I would not have been able to sit here and pay attention like buttery toast remains sitting on the <laughs> would you expand a little bit like I, we love one part of your blog um you you have a number of series Ooh. on your blog um, but one of them is called Life in a Tiny Apartment. Um, but I was wondering if you would share maybe a couple of things um, that you absolutely love, and, and maybe we've already covered this, yeah. but that you absolutely love about living in a small space, and then maybe a couple of things that, you know, <laughs> maybe drive you a little bit yeah, crazy yeah, once okay, in a while. Sure. Well, gosh, I love the laziness that a small space affords you. I mean, it really lets you be lazier than a large space. And I think that, like, you know, it's from being able to literally, like, sit in bed in the morning and drink coffee while I'm, like, watching Faye eat her breakfast at her high chair. <laughs> 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 she can be kind of, like, doing her morning thing, and I can still be, like, slowly, groggily waking up, but we're, like, you know, the kitchen table is, I don't know, three and a half feet from the bed. So <laughs> I can see her. I mean, that's great. I don't know. It sounds kind of silly, but um, cleaning-wise, like, all of that just – it in some ways it really is easier um and especially you know having a kid sure sometimes there are moments where I'm like oh we are you know 
on top of each other. But most of the time, it is this kind of advantage. I, this is so silly. I told this to, this idea to someone the other day. They're like, okay, you're pushing it. But whenever I go home to my mom and dad's house, I lose my chapstick. Okay. <laughs> it drives me crazy. And it's because there's like the upstairs bathroom, the downstairs, like where did I put it? There's all of these places it could be. I always end up with chapped lips. I never end up with chapped lips in my own apartment because it's just right there next to me all the time. Um, okay, that is hilarious. That, I love that. <laughs> but I do think that there are these kind of advantages of a small space. Um, well, and I have to tell you, both of us having kids who are older, we know from experience, they want to be with you. Yeah. It, you know, it, it's, you know, we you have these houses and we have playrooms or, yeah. you know, spare rooms for the, for the kids that it's like, they're never there. They want to be with you. So you know what, she might, you might as well not worry about the fact that you are on top right. of each other because I, you would be anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right. And right. I mean, I have a 14 year old now, so he's the oldest of, of the children between Karen and I, and um, he's just starting to kind of be in his own yeah. space. Um, but he would still be fine if we were sharing a space too, you know, I mean, it just takes a long time before they, they, they don't want to be with you. We we even noticed that in that, you know, we, in, when Faye was about 18 months old, we moved, we'd been all three of us in the same bedroom and we moved our bed out into this main room, hence the proximity to the kitchen table. And Faye now has the bedroom. Um, and even that, like it's, she, does not play in her room. She plays in the main room. Right, right. Well, and, you know, and I don't live in a huge house. I live in a 1,300 square foot house, which I think by American standards is fairly small. Um, There's only three of us, though, my husband and my son and myself. And so it's a good size for us. And I've always liked, I mean, you know, we have a small kitchen. i love for it to be a tiny bit bigger yeah. but I wouldn't mind a small kitchen if it was thoughtfully oh, laid totally, out yeah. ours is just it it just doesn't function and and we've been living with it for 15 years and and actually my husband is going to redo it this summer and you know the the actual footprint of the space isn't going to be that much larger we're taking out a, a small powder room um but the you know the way it's laid out is going to work a lot better. And so I'm excited about that, but it's, it's still not going to be an Eden space. And so we regularly, well, I say we regularly use our dining room. We actually eat it on the coffee table all the time. Um, So the truth comes out, but, but I love that, you know, we have one living space, a living room, not a living room and a family room. And we have one eating space. Um, it never ends up getting used. So we actually spend a tremendous amount of time in like a couple hundred square feet of our house. And, and it's, you know, it's sort of funny, you know, I'd love to have a guest room, which I don't have. So there's, you know, there's things on the wish list, but the reality is, is that, you know, before us in this house, this house is over a hundred years Mm -hmm. old um but the family before us raised three children in this house and so much has changed over the last generation in needing these magnificently large spaces and so right that's what's fascinating about just new york and kind of the history of the architecture here i mean we live in the top floor of a brownstone that was surely a single family house so on one hand you know and we are definitely in like the garret, you know, we're like me. Um, but the, so like the, there's that kind of fascinating kind of 
architecture that then was, you know, separated into nine apartments. But then across the river, before my sister moved, she was in a um, an apartment in the East Village, you know, a tenement building with this little railroad apartment that was tiny, smaller than this apartment. And, you know, when it was built, that would have housed a family with multiple generations and a cottage industry, you know? So right, right. There's all of these, like, you know, different ways of living in spaces and the way that that changes. And I don't know, I just think it's fascinating to kind of look at all of the different ways your life can, yeah, you know, that your living space can, can be used and that your life can kind of unfold. I was just talking with someone about the loft and, you know, it was this storage all, there, this happens in a lot of New York apartments where they're built as kind of storage lofts because you're not technically supposed to call them bedrooms. Um, but the idea really is that they make a space more livable because you can put a bed up there, but then you can't like stand up next to your bed, you know? And there's like, sure, there's a kind of romance of like, oh, scampering up the ladder to bed. And <laughs> Definitely, I had like my little um, cousins came and, and saw it and they like, of course, loved it. It's like a kid's dream you know but the reality is like that was challenging on a day-to-day basis like it kind of sucked to climb the ladder you know like and so though that kind of small space stuff was definitely a different level of small space some of the small space stuff I just think it's interesting because it kind of speaks to the adaptability of like human beings it's just kind of cool like oh we can do this we don't need to live in you know a 2,500 square foot House. Well, and it's empowering. It's. I feel like it's empowering yeah. because it 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 forces you to be creative, and then I think you feel good about yourself when you problem solve. Totally, I agree, hundred percent. I'm feeling sort of inspired. Oh, <laughs> I'm not moving into a 500 square foot apartment, yeah. but yeah, I feel. Yeah. But I feel like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we, it's fun. It's all relative, right? I mean, the fact that we, Karen and I both have pretty small homes by modern standards, I guess. Um, and we're perfectly happy. I did have the, I, I, I was very, very fortunate when we lived in Pennsylvania for a, a while and we lived in a beautiful um, row home that was built in like 1870 something. And, um, I had been, I had actually moved from a 500 square foot studio apartment that I was living in all by myself in Chicago when we moved to Pennsylvania. And so this thing was, I don't know, 1600 square feet. And I thought I had moved into a mansion. I mean, I just remember walking up and down the stairs going, I can't believe all of this is ours. <laughs> and then, and we lived there for, I think, eight years. And, and, and I loved every single detail about the house that just had all of this wonderful history. And then for some reason we had our first kid and I was pregnant with our second and I I got it in my head this isn't enough space we have to move and I think I was bored too you know I I do like change living in one place for eight years was really unusual for me and so I just think I needed a change and where we lived was very ridiculously affordable so we got I think it was like a 2400 square foot house it was very big and within a few months I I got to really experience deep down what it felt like to live in a place that was too big. Interesting, yeah. It it just it was just too much space. It was way too much to take care mm-hmm. of. Um, all of our money was now tied up in the mm-hmm. house, and um, we had to furnish it. I mean, you know, we didn't have enough furniture for a twenty four hundred square foot yeah. house. So, I love that. Then when we moved up to the Boston area, we were 
downsizing. It, it, it was so exciting to me to go from bigger to smaller. Yeah. And I'm so glad I had that experience because I think that if I hadn't, I would always keep assuming that bigger was yeah. better and that, that, would, that would make me feel right. better. Right. And now I know for sure that it didn't. Of course, I had to remind myself that even though we were downsizing our, you know, we were downsizing, but our mortgage was upsizing yeah. because we were moving to Boston. <laughs> <Yeah>. But <laughs> that took me a while to put that yeah. together. That was that was a yeah. bummer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do think it's it's interesting. I think we get caught up in this kind of cycle of of feeling like we need more, and I think especially we live in a culture right now where um, it, that is related to being parents and having children is like it's out of control a little bit like I it's been so noticeable since you know now I'm almost a veteran parent of two years (laughs) so you know I have lots of authority on this topic but (laughs) but you know I do think it's kind of interesting how there is absolutely the number one topic of conversation around expecting a child is not about parenting or about giving birth or about, you know, accepting a a newborn into your home, however that happens or whatever. It's about stuff. It's about what do you need? What are you going to get? Have you tried this? Have you, how many strollers are you going to get? Which kind of stroller are you going to get? And all of this. And it's, totally overwhelming I think and yeah because there's so many choices. there's so many choices and I think it creates this kind of idea that you do need more space because you need all of these things and I have found in my own experience it's like it is so empowering to say like nah, I'm gonna opt out of it I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna do it um and you know we survived those few months of infancy without like a bouncy swing like who I mean and I'm not saying that that's like and therefore you know I don't know I like earn a medal or anything but I didn't want to buy a bouncy swing and have it in my house and feel like I needed more space to house that bouncy swing or whatever again I just want to bring back this this point though is that you are not choosing to for, for instance not have a bouncy swing out of some sort of moral stance or you're doing your, your choices are coming, as you've said, because you want to control your situation Mm -hmm. and they make you happy. And I, I think that that is so important and that's what we like about your book. And that's why we wanted to have, have you on the podcast because it's, um, it's really about happiness and it's really about creating an aesthetic and a home life that, that, fulfills you and for you it's it's this particular way of living and um that that's the bottom line yeah totally I mean I think that's that's exactly it it's like we have a right to be happy in our homes whether that's because you're surrounded by a collection of antique dolls or you you know want it to be pared down like yeah I think the question of whether it's a lot of stuff or a little bit of stuff is less important than like finding your groove and and being happy with it yeah. Well, thank you so yeah, it was much. So nice to talk um, to you guys. We, we, yes. Well, we we're, we're looking at the clock, going, "Oh my gosh, we've kept you over," yep. but we've really enjoyed this conversation. So, we, but we do want to be mindful of your time. Um, but it's been delightful to talk to you. You are just such a warm, lovely person, oh, hey. and and it really comes through in your book. And we we 
we are excited to share it well, with everyone. Thank you so much. I'm just so glad that we were able to work this out. And it really, it was so nice to talk to you guys. I can't wait to, to share the piece with everyone either. Well, all right. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. It's wonderful to have you here. And if you've liked what you've heard, please rate us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. It really does make a huge difference. It helps other home-obsessed people find us, and it helps keep us on the air. Also, don't forget to take the quiz, What's the Number One Mistake You Are Making in Your Home, over at littleyellowcouch.com. I will be back next week, and in the meantime, take care. Thanks so much for listening. I know your time is valuable, and I really do appreciate you spending it with me. And please, please, please take a minute to leave a review for Slow Style Home wherever you get your podcasts. It honestly does help keep this show on the air, and your feedback is highly valuable to me. Have a great day, and I'll be back in your earbuds soon. Bye for now.